let's start officially. Daniel, I'm very excited for this episode. You've been keeping me in the dark about this yeah, guest. Yeah. And it's I'm good. very excited. Yeah. Please tell me in the audience, who do we have on today? We have... Chris on. Yeah. Chris, how long have we known each other? Has it been about 20 years? <laughs> Would have been, yeah, a yeah. while. 20 years? 20 years. No fucking way. Yeah. No. 20 years. We met each other in primary school. Yes. What, yeah. was what, it, what year was that? Was that Monash? No. No, what, it would have been Monash, I think. Yeah. In Canberra. Yeah. In Canberra. And then Initially. And then on. I moved while you were still there. Yes. And then you came wandering into Yes. And then primary. met you again. Yeah, there you go. Wow. and then I moved, and then I moved back, Serendipity. and then, yeah. You guys are cute. <laughs> That's so cute. So we've world. been, yeah, we've known each other for 20 years. Wow. 20-odd years. On and so off. one, yeah. I can only count um, on one hand the number of people I've known for that long. Wow. Uh, not excluded, not not including But you family. don't have any friends, Dan, does No, it? no, no, no. I haven't had friends for that <laughs> long because I've moved around too yeah, much. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Mm. But I'm just saying, so how has Chris's personality changed since you've last known him? It's always stayed the same. I don't think you've changed other than the crazy beard you have now, which I was it not expecting good. when I opened the door. Yeah. It's, uh, it's what, been a great surprise to everyone. Why did you grow the beard? It's just... It's nice not to rip hair out of my face every morning. <laughs> Take a thank you. Have, have a near death experience at six a.m. while I'm half awake it's, with the razor. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Fuck, that looks good, man. <laughs> Give the man a credit. That's a great beard. Grew it myself. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. So, what was the question? So, who, who, who are you? Who am I? That is a great yeah. question. I don't think I'll ever find out. Maybe on my deathbed. You, <laughs> you're well travelled. Yeah. So, so how many countries have you been to? Uh, I've been to Europe, mm -hmm. uh, Southeast Asia, Middle East, mm -hmm. uh, North America. It's probably easier to talk mm. in terms of that. Uh, yeah, so quite a few. Mm. I won't list them off. Mm. Okay. There's definitely been some highlights and, and different experiences and I think that helps create a person. I think mm. travelling is something that gets you out of your comfort mm -hmm. zone and then you can grow as a human. Well, so. it broadens your perspective yeah, on life as well. So has that mm -hmm. travel been a big part I in think shaping so. your life? I, I, and I think that's that's I've been able to find who I am mm. through things such as travel and mm -hmm. through those sort of growth experiences. Mm. So, uh, yes. Just on that, <clears throat> I don't believe that we just got into that, but i written a question down. Mm. I was thinking about travel last night. And I think I believe traveling can contribute to understanding our personality or who you are as an individual. And it, I think it can help us cultivate empathy for our other cultures, right? And I think it can close the divide between, you know, there's a mm. cultural difference mm. between two cultures. And have you traveled to a place or a culture that challenged your perspective or, you know, you had a preconceived notion about a place that impacted your perspective on this world? I was thinking about this very deeply last night. Hmm. Yes. A few places. The, the Middle East was mm -hmm. very interesting. Hmm. Uh, I think everyone has conceptions of, of what that's like mm. and... A common place people travel to is is somewhere like Dubai, going through the airport, and that was uh, a country, the the UAE, the Emirates, uh, where there's been a, a group of people that have previously been very nomadic, 
uh, in their existence, uh, thinking things like the Bedouin tribes and living in that harsh desert existence. And they seem to have just propelled forward into the 21st century. And uh, the, the first trip I ever took was mm. to Turkey when mm. I was 16. Mm. Uh, that was, I had no idea of what traveling or, or being overseas was like or any other cultures. So I 16, think, you barely know. Yeah, yeah. And that was a very formative mm. uh, trip that I think helped change my personality and, and who I am. I really didn't know what traveling to that is, is an Islamic country would be like or mm. somewhere that's on the, the nexus between Asia and Europe and an absolute melting mm. pot of civilizations and, and, again, very rich and deep history. And I guess that was from a, a blank slate perspective helped um, propel me forward into mm. uh, not really having initially many expectations from then onwards because... Uh, yeah, I was just accepting that everywhere could be very culturally rich and interesting. Mm. So I guess, yeah, the premise of the question, I I try not to travel with too many preconceived ideas and try to just be a bit more open to the experience. Mm. Is there a culture that you've admired the most in your travels? I suppose any culture that is mm. authentic uh, and is able to... Uh, withstand hardships I guess you could admire them in different ways mm. one I guess in terms of longevity and uh, being in touch and at mm. one with with nature and, and uh, a sense of place is probably the Australian Aboriginal community mm. Uh, mm. As, as being fairly unchanged but also very in tune with mm. uh, the land mm. so that I see is probably the most deeply and richly human culture. But there's been other cultures such as uh, so um, Judaism mm. and uh, and the Jewish culture where even without a country they have a deep sense of nationalism and community in being spread across the world after the various atrocities, uh, not having it always be tied to a place, although mm. it is, uh, through the Zionist movement, but just through a general sense of oneness and community, no matter where someone is, mm. I see that as a mark of a, a strength of a culture <clears throat> as well. Mm. Uh, but every culture has its own traits, mm. I suppose. And one great thing about Australia, will I just say, mm. is that we're so we we get to cherry pick the best mm. parts of each of them, and that's just Australian culture. It seems. I was going to say, like, yeah. what is Australian culture? Explain it to me. It's. I think our openness to multiculturalism. Walking down the street here is just a great example of, mm. you know, the, the various uh, Asian supermarket at one corner and then a kebab joint across mm -hmm. the road. And we like watching English sports and crickets through to, uh, you know, what, you know, Italian cafe culture. Mm. It's it's fantastic. And I, I think that's what makes Australia unique. And there are other places in the world where they mm. try that, potentially not so successfully. Mm. Uh, but Australia's done a very good job at that. Mm. And I would agree that every community is happily able to thrive and, you know, mm. just have their place here. Absolutely. People are actually very open to that. Mm. Mm. This is a question I don't think I've ever asked you, but when you were through high school, through primary school, what, whatever, when you were young, who, who did you look to for guidance? Did you have any sort of mentors or anything like that? I suppose some of my friends and their parents... Mm -hmm. 
at the time as well as obviously my own family and and those figures uh but it was yeah some some experiences were just learning life lessons and mistakes and mm. successes through through people such as yourself you know, your, your drive mm. to to go to something that I do something that I was would have been very uncomfortable with, mm. like getting up on a stage in front of people mm. and presenting. Uh, that was something I saw as, you know, I was afraid of and mm. I sort of just lunged in and, and went through the hard yards and did things like debating. Yeah, but you did debating. Like that. That's like but sort of But I was freaking stage. out the whole time. Yeah. yeah. But what was going through your mind when you when when you had to get up and debate? Oh, school? I was just super terrified and like shaking and Why did you do it? Why did you put yourself through, through that? Because... Well, this is you, know, you as an example. Yeah, uh, I knew that you could do mm. things like this. So, uh, it, it was all in my head, and it was a challenge, and it was some adversity, and it was something I would have had to figure out sooner rather than later. Mm. Uh, and it was just a a weakness I saw I needed to overcome, and mm. seeing other people achieve that seemingly if they effortlessly. Can do it, I can do it, and mm. that's it. And if I have to drag myself over the coals to get there, then so mm. be it. Was there any sort of pressure to excel beyond my own pressure? Yeah. It was just my yeah, self-motivated. And I, I would say that's the best pressure. Mm. And that's great from having supportive family mm. and friends that, you know, there's it's not it's never really competition. Mm. Uh you're never being forced to do something that you don't like. It's just having supportive people around you that mm. uh help encourage you whichever mm. idea or good idea that you want to pursue and mm. and if you end up at a dead end then so be it did that need to excel did that ever get in the way of anything that you wanted to do sort of socially or i don't think so mm. no did, interesting did i don't like know yes, did. <laughs> i don't know i feel like <laughs> education work it often gets in the way of what you actually mm. want to do being stuck in a country town, there yeah, wasn't much to exa- do. I exactly. I think that's what sort of drove me crazy when we were yeah. growing up together. It's just there's nothing to do. Which, but in order to get out of there, even even in order to think mm. that you're stuck in a country town, you need you need to have that desire. You need to have that drive in you. Or some people would be just like, oh, that's fucking great. We mm. can just have beers, mm. find a job at the local store, yeah. and just you know find girls and just live happily ever after. Were you terrified about being left behind there in a country town? I think you've you've hit the nail on the yeah. head. It was wanting to escape. Yeah. And, and that first trip when I was 16, knowing that there was mm, such, so amazing, such, a, world, such a bigger yes. world yeah. uh, outside of yeah the parochial limits mm. of, of Yas, uh, really, yeah, gave that, that was perhaps the drive, mm. uh, knowing that there was just an unlimited wealth of things to learn and experience, mm. you know, otherwise very short existence mm. on the planet and doing my utmost to not just stay at yes <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you ever think that we would be in this situation where we were doing a pretend radio show with each other not at all <laughs> but you have to give me context guys come on what do you mean context, context. What, what are you talking about what do you mean? What, well, this this go, goes back to yes, you guys were in the same school. Yeah, we're in the same mm-hmm. school. Yeah, yeah. it's a you country were doing town. A skid? What, what no, was no, that? no, 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 no. I, I, my question was: Did you ever think, yeah, that 
coming up through high school yeah. that we'd be doing a pretend radio show, a podcast. Oh, uh, I thought... Yeah, yeah. Oh, my bad. I thought that you said that while you, were, yeah. you guys were doing this, you would be in this situation here. It's so funny because, like, growing up, you would assume that all these people that we've had, had mm. on the podcast that, that you, you know of as well that would be unreachable before, yeah. but then you mm. grow up and you realise, well... They are reachable. That's it. Well, I mean, you're. Yeah. I, I'm not surprised that you're doing it, perhaps, mm. because it's something that that seems very authentic to who you mm. are, mm. and it just seems like a logical, mm. not end, but a, a journey and a path that you would go down. Mm. Has yeah. he? Let me ask you this: What, what was Dan's personality? Because now I've, I've known Dan for about more, almost a year and a half. Yeah, yeah. about a year about actually. A year. Yeah. And I've, I have a preconceived notion about Dan and no, this is, you know, what he's like and what he's not. What was Dan like back then? Because, yeah. Be easy. I'm sitting right next to you. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> we'll get to know Dan. You it's were, funny because I don't think yeah. you've changed. I mean, I think you've, you've matured for sure, but it's like, I don't know. You've always, you've always had that maturity about you. There are elements, I suppose, mm. uh, that you look at what makes you authentic and, and mm. doing things that are in tune with your own intrinsic mm. values. And that's a quality that you certainly have and that's landed you where you are doing these very things today. Mm. And, yeah, I'd say I'd say that would be the, the key personality quality and that's something that I, I certainly value. Mm. I hope to do myself and value in others. Uh, you are always very receptive and listened mm. Uh, a good active listener. It's so funny that you say that yeah. because <laughs> doing this, you have mm. to train yourself to be an active listener. Yeah. Otherwise, if someone's sitting there and mm. they're going on this big long story and you miss something or you zone out for even a second, then the entire conversation sort of Goes unravels. Mm. So this is it's funny that you say that because I never thought I was an active listener before. You certainly listen to me <laughs> waffle on. Yeah, I don't know. I just ranting and complaining about things to and from school. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's funny you say that because I thought mm. I was more of a passive listener than than an active listener. You I just pretended doing... to listen very well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's exactly it. That's exactly mm. it. Yeah. Well, go on. Keep keep going. What 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 was I like? <laughs> just very accommodating and approachable as well. So they're they're some of the three main qualities. Mm. Comedy. I, I don't know any if that. I don't <laughs> no one really. <laughs> no one really hated you. No mm. one. You didn't rub people up the wrong way. Mm. Uh, but then again, you didn't do that for the um, at the expense mm. of of lying or not mm. telling the full story to people. You're always very transparent and still are. I never felt I sort of fit in anywhere at school. I think that sort of helped me to sort of mm. get out of that sort of country town living as well because yeah. if you had a group of friends there tying you down then you would you wouldn't probably want to leave because you'd be comfortable in your circles mm. but getting out like sort of being a bit sort of on your own island in a way sort of being unique to i don't know i guess the popular kids or whatever mm. it sort of helped me sort of excel a little bit and actually break away from from the norm yeah of being stuck in a country town 
That's which, good. Yeah. Hey, I'm not, and we're not and out not here to lambast country, country yeah, towns. Yeah, no, I'm sure no, there are no, many yeah. listeners. I think you guys are. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> it, it was a different experience growing yeah. up with our lack of internet and mm. transportation. Oh, that's but big. You're these right. days. Mm. That's big. It was hard to get into Canberra. Canberra was where all the mm. stuff, you would have to travel to Canberra if you wanted to actually have mm. any sort of fun. And like Canberra and fun do not go hand in hand. <laughs> there are <laughs> two interesting points. <laughs> the, the first thing is I'd say though there are people that are stuck in a country town living yeah. in a city right now yeah. in their own little bubble and having less of a, an enriching experience than if someone was living mm. in the country. The second is that living in a country gives you that perspective. Mm. So travelling into Canberra or Sydney was a sensory yeah. overload. Yeah, the, because the, the big smoke. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and and mm. living in a city, you just start to filter things out. Mm. And yeah, a, a trip to... It loses the, some of its meaning. Exactly. A city, yeah. And, if you live in a city, A yeah. lot of it just goes into mm. and you can catch a tram down the street and not remember anything on the journey. Whereas mm. if you get someone from the country there... Looking around and mm. you're much more appreciative. Yeah, they didn't grow up noticing with every little fine detail and mm, and true. they they just there's too much to look at to listen to to see to yeah. do, and that's why they walk really slowly and <laughs> well, seem to be yeah just baffled by one a city. Of my, but that's a good thing. One of my best New Year's Eves that I've ever had mm. was when we went yeah. into Sydney by ourselves. <laughs> that, was great. that was crazy. Left, uh, left half our groceries. It was the a sort of <laughs> first big trip into the city by ourselves. No yeah. sort of plan, no hotels booked, nothing sort of planned at all. That was great. It was great. very on a whim. Let's just go into Sydney and see the fireworks. That's it. And we're like, oh, we're young. We can stay yeah. up all night. Yeah. Like we don't need to sleep. Yeah. yeah. We that- slept in a park, a monkey <laughs> stole your hat or something or a possum or whatever it was. Oh. I don't think there's any monkeys in the city of Sydney. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it was, was probably a possum. It was great. And <laughs> that was a great experience. It was yeah. well out of our comfort zone. We didn't know what that, mm. what we were doing and we just went and, uh, yeah, as I said, made yeah. some, a lot of mistakes, not booking accommodation. <laughs> every single pub Sleeping and in bar park, every, was closed as well. Like we we're, were trying to get into a pub and everywhere's locked out. So 2000, it would have been 2008. Eight. Yeah. It would have been just after Eight, we graduated yeah. in 2008. Yeah. Yeah. When did you two leave Country Towns? It was um, just then. That was it that was probably would have been around that same time. Yeah. I think you got for me. Probably would have been two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Probably. Oh no, probably two thousand nine. Mm. Late two thousand nine. So I was there for at least. After I was that. there for at yeah. least another year. I did okay. my vet nursing course, and yeah. then I sort of yeah moved to Melbourne. Not long after that. Awesome, Chris. Yeah. Where did you go after the when you moved out of Yes? So I went to university for a few years. What did you do in university? So uh, at UNSW. So it was uh, arts in politics and history. Mm-hmm. Arts in. Politics. I was just interested in that. That there were yeah. the subjects I found fascinating during high school. So I just mm. pursued those in a little bit more detail. Uh, what is it about politics that sort of interests you? Understanding how the world works, mm. and history was how it sort of got there, and the politics is the machinations of, of what happens. Because mm. now you can connect. You can mm. understand history where it started and now where we are at the moment. And, and again, it stems from some travel and understanding how countries can be the way they are, mm. how their societies and systems of governance work, what does and doesn't work mm. and, and leads to things like conflict or mm. peace. And it wasn't really... It, it was until after the degree it wasn't what I learnt, more so how to think and mm. analyze so it's mm. those critical thinking skills you get from university where you 
uh, weigh up different perspectives and ideas from academics mm. and form some sort of coherent argument. Mm. So that was a, a great skill that I think is is useful just in life. Mm. Mm. So talk to us about politics. What's going on around the world? Well, what we see in media, mm. um, what's going on in Australia versus what's going on in the US. What are your thoughts on that? Let me ask you this, I've, if you can talk about it. I have a lot of thoughts on it. Uh, media. So well, yeah. something that's very interesting is is a concept I recently came across about atomization mm. and how issues are becoming instead of it being women's rights or or certain races or classes of people voting, for instance, uh, through to uh, you know, gay rights recently. And it, the issues are becoming smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller now. And it's almost focused at the individual level. Mm. And it's tailored that way. This is all my opinion. Uh, of course. Tailored that way because that's better for you scrolling and seeing tailored ads and, and getting stuff sold to you. That's the society we mm. live in, which is fine. But the flip side of that is you can very easily get stuck in your own media echo chamber and that really dictates how you view and understand the world. Absolutely. And I agree to that because the algorithm algorithms right now that we have on Instagram, even YouTube, are mostly all the apps that we are using at the moment are tailored to our taste. And once they know that this is what we want to watch, they feed you the same information, right? They do. And and it it's a lot of it's very emotive as well, uh, which forms those sort of instantaneous reactions. And then you get caught up in the same bubble of let's say if you like watches cars and you know airplanes so it just gets into that same bubble of you just rinsing and repeating the same sort of content that you see but i hate that because it robs me of the chance to stumble upon something random which i would like mm -hmm. in life does that make absolutely sense? it's it, that's that's one of the precious things of life the serendipity of it that you often can't experience through mm -hmm. something that's been curated for you now on how the world is working and and what's happening at the moment when you have uh, a thought being through some sort of propaganda or whatever method uh being communicated some narrative communicated uh through media and through these vectors what that means is what happens what is happening in the world is often very very divorced from people's perception of what is happening in the world but then the bad thing that can happen is that forms a reflexive feedback loop and what people think is happening in the world actually becomes what happens. Mm. And Ooh. Oh no, I see what so you mean. So the the myth, <laughs> the lie, the uh fake news actually ends up becoming more yeah. real than mm. than whatever event had transpired. And that's I'm starting to realize that's what matters a bit more than the factual events. And that's what defines and ends up being written into things like history. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> Let me think about that. So, so uh, yes. No, go on. Uh, I've got some, Please. Yeah, I've got some friends that yeah. are very into, you know, uh, what's happening in Ukraine or, or you have, you know, the left and the right of politics arguing over the same mm. issue, but in two different languages, that's probably the best example having the left and the right argue over an issue but speaking two different languages because mm. they have two different perceptions and conceptions of how the world works. Mm. And the victor in that argument 
can end up defining that history or that narrative uh, in a democratic mm. society. If, if they end up having the vote, then that can change politics. But sometimes what ends up happening is very divorced and distant from whatever event kicked things off or the reality of the situation. When did the news stop being the news, do you think? Well, it's, I guess... Because now it's all opinion. Exactly. It's all it's, opinion. It's the spectrum of fact and opinion. You've mm. got very factual-based mm. agencies like AP, AFP, the Newswire services, mm. Reuters, uh, through to opinion pieces. But it's when people try to conflate fact and opinion mm. or... Sometimes if you haven't learnt some critical thinking skills, it's very hard to tease those apart mm. that, yeah, I, I would argue it's probably not labelled mm. news. Did you see the video of uh, all the news channels talking about the exactly same thing? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think about that? Oh, that, that, that's a great example. We've got the same sort of thing here with, with News Corp uh, mm. and Fairfax is two of the large mm. news agencies and through a lack of staff yeah. or centralization of... Oh, how they yeah. write their narratives, they just hand out a script. There's, there's something, there's... Um, that's what gets read. the submarine that mm. got lost recently. Right. Um, the people looking at the Titanic. Mm. And they had a countdown clock. Oh. As, uh, like, with how, how many mm. hours do we have, do they have left of, of grim, air? It? Mm. <laughs> it's such, it was, it was ridiculous. Yeah. It was like I was watching a reality show. And yeah. just a reminder, they only have... Seven hours worth of air left, so mm. yeah, I yeah, I hate that. It's it's the sensationalization of, yeah. of media, but that's what it's when you pull on people's emotions. Mm. That's what gets people to watch, mm. but not so much the content of the news. It's <clears throat> the ad breaks in between, ultimately, which mm. a lot of commercial stations yeah. are, are yeah. getting their money from. Uh, and on what you were mentioning before, uh, a point about. It gives the illusion of a diversity of opinion and there may even be a diversity uh, on the political spectrum against what news media is presenting. But, um, yeah, you might have uh, news conferences. You've got the Australian, which uh, is very formal language and almost uh, targeted at a, at a very different audience from, um, you know, the, is it that, the Sun or uh, the Telegraph mm. in New South Wales? But often the narrative is the same because it's the same company uh, potentially pushing an agenda and also those papers, you know, mm. have ads and things in between as mm. well, which is how they make their money, which yeah. makes sense. Yeah. So what is the solution of that? How can we fix that? Because hmm. you and I or everyone would want to know the actual reality of that. Yeah. How, how do we act know the actual reality? Well, we may never mm. know the actual reality, but... There's a... There's two... So there's the two realities that potentially we're talking about. There's the what what has been fabricated and what people perceive to be the reality, which is potentially more real than mm. the reality itself, and the facts. Mm. So mm. to get more of the factual assessments, those sort of newswire agencies, Reuters, mm. AP, AFP, those those are very factually mm. based um, news services, which often get picked up and, mm. and reported and expanded upon in papers, for instance. There's also going there yourself uh, and just reading widely, understanding the bias and the narratives that different media entities are pushing. Uh, is it public? Is it private? Are they trying to make money out of this? And reading as widely as you can through 
writing Mate, sources. Isn't that a sad state of affairs, though? But not, not <laughs> disregarding that. these other papers, such as yeah. you know, the, the Telegraph yeah. and things like that. It, I remember there was reading Sherlock Holmes years ago. Mm. Uh, he used to read those papers because mm. that's where he actually understood the zeitgeist, the the, the narrative, the, the sentiment of the public and... Mm. Uh, that's actually a really good predictor and way of mm. understanding what the thought is, what the conversations are being had down at the pub mm. or in the cafes. And I don't think they should just be discredited because uh, some facts are, you know, they're, they're stretching the facts mm. or it's very opinionated or it's being produced just for profit. Mm. I don't think those things should be... Well, those papers or mm. media sources should be negated, particularly if half the country are reading and thinking about those things. Mm. Can I say, since last six and a half, seven years I've been here, I've never watched television, not even for a second. Mm. Well, that's good for you because you're not exposed to all the... You all just the watch stuff. the small TV in your pocket. Yeah. yeah. I, essentially, and I try my best to stay away from that as well. Mm. But uh, something like my my usual genre is on my phone. I would be watching either pool videos, how to play pool, like something something like uh, tutorial types. Mm. Mm. I don't know why I've always been fascinated with learning like that. And I since uh, I was a kid, I learned how to play guitar off of YouTube, right? Purely off yeah. of YouTube. So I've tried to stay away from that. But then I realized that it's how disconnected I am from the world. Mm. You know, in a group of people mm. you're sitting, you want to be aware. And that's it. And that's that's what's happening with technology. We are getting a curated brand and, and personality mm. made for us. And yes, you can feel very disconnected. But I'm happy to talk about that too. I think that disconnection from the world and that sort of sense of what's the anxiety. Hel- what's a hef- healthy balance to, to, you know, to okay. switch off? To switch off. Yeah. So... And to reconnect when you need to reconnect. I can go down a, a bit of a indirect path yeah. on the way there. Yeah. In my opinion, switching off, switching off from what? Uh, I think something mm. very fascinating about stuff like blackouts mm. and COVID is you're not going to get demonetized now, said the <laughs> C word. No, uh, We're not that big yet. <laughs> is, is that suddenly people are starting to think their own thoughts without external stimuli Mm. and assess their own lives and have time to think. And that freaked a lot of people out. Mm. Uh, And that's why some people potentially had some some difficult times with that. So that's, that's almost an enforced switching off. And I'd say that's those, those thought processes are processes are healthy Mm. Mm. to an extent. It's the anything above moderation mm. is unhealthy mm. so if you are get home from work every day and you just switch on the tv enter this alpha state and start drooling on yourself for the next five hours or on the computer or yeah it can even be like unhealthy exercise or music practice mm. anything at all if there's an excess of that and that's being done just to stop you sort of self-assessing or growing, improving, addressing life challenges, mm. the real problems, then I would posit that is that mm. is unhealthy switching off. Mm. But everyone needs to switch off and mm. play, you know, Candy Crush or something on their phone every now and then. That's that's fine. But mm. when it starts to 
impact adversely other areas of your life, mm. then I'd say that's definitely unhealthy. But I think by the time you're mm. going to realize that it's impacting your daily life, it's going to be too late. It's hard to realize Especially it as well. with Candy Crush, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've never played Candy Crush, but I've seen people do it. Oh, it's people do it at the casino down there just on bigger machines. It's, it's uh, yeah, absolutely perfectly curated to mm. get those chemicals Hooked released on, at the right times. Yeah, mm. that's it. Absolutely. And uh, so is some news mm. and entertainment and other media. It's designed just to be like that. And I wish times were simpler. I see that. Mm. I'm, I'm a part of that too. I'm a part of, you know, maybe mm. eating sweet, yeah. looking at Instagram or whatever it is and getting into that dopamine cycle. Mm. Um, how different do you think this generation of um, dopamine depleted people are from people who back then who didn't had anything they had propagandas mm. they had newspapers Absolutely. they had everything but it wasn't in your face as it, it is now oh, it was so boring face. people started seeing yeah. ghosts all the time yeah. <laughs> and true. their brain started yeah, inventing yeah, things yeah uh yeah it, back then well the the reason for these chemicals being released is evolutionary we there are their drivers to reinforce some mm. type of behavior for something that is scarce in the environment or is helping us to do things like reproduce yeah mm. all those all those good chemicals uh, are for a reason but those reasons no longer exist in this society uh instead we've co-opted them and monetized them and uh able to occupy people's attention through those methods so yes i'd say there there is a difference uh living in a country town versus living in a city, there's mm. there's a lot less exposure to those sort of stimuli. Mm. I'm going to say right mm. now at this day and age when they have uh, laptops, tablets and phones and fucking watches on their hands as well, they're so connected to the world outside mm. as well that it's not much of a difference now. Would you agree? Between now and... City, country and city. Oh, yes, yes. I mean, yeah, Absolutely. Like a 16, 17-year-old mm. would know everything, what's going on in the city and blah, 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 and, yeah. you know, would be drawn to that, that they can't do it in their country. Town, I guess. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's an interesting point. It's uh, Some have had a, a bit of thought no. about mm. the, the stimuli and the short-term gratification mm. and instant gratification versus understanding yourself and your own life a bit more intrinsically and these are mm. points that we were alluding to at the start of the conversation mm. about you know, why it's not terribly surprising to see you here because mm. that is closer to something that's authentic to mm. you and i would posit that that is a healthier better way of living life is living it more authentically well i, I didn't mm. posit it i mean mm. uh, philosophers like nietzsche mm. raised it very early on and and people in the past as well and linking in these other conversations about uh you know covid and stimuli and media ultimately something something i found very fascinating reading about is into existentialism and how we realize that we are the arbiters of our own destiny mm -hmm. every small decision that we make uh really if you want it to be healthy and want to live a good life making that true to yourself and not having that co-opted or stolen or controlled by an external entity. Mm. Every man is an actor of his own ideal. And that's it. So isn't it way better to create those dopamine or whatever hits yourself from something mm. you do that's true to your own values rather than getting it from a, 
a game or something else which is doing it just to raise money because Mm. that's that's a reaction you're having for someone else's Mm. benefit or gain rather than your own Mm. and those little micro decisions that you do end up steering your life and your path in life towards something that trajectory exactly something that's someone else's trajectory and they're probably squeezing some money out of it for you uh, rather than your own so having those deep thoughts and being a bit more present in life, I think, can help you realize something that is Chris, do you notice more yourself. Most people are asleep even though they're awake. They're just living in a less aware state. I've noticed that about people. They're so in tune with mm. phones, serials, or whatever they're watching on TVs or um, shows that they're they're living in a this um, delusional state mm. of just keep walking or just surviving the next day yes um and of Mm. course you as a human being like all of us are exposed to those you know stimuli. how do you keep yourself sane or Mm. away from all of that you talk about Nietzsche um I haven't read extensively about Nietzsche but you did talk touch on Nietzsche and so your question is how to keep sane or how to how to not be in this uh yeah, if you just automa- automaton state. Yeah. There's an interesting book, Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman, I think is how you pronounce it, which Thinking fast and slow. goes into this topic. There's a, there's a few others similar, but it's your natural reactive autopilot way of thinking, system one and two, and then there's your more deliberate, conscious, slower thinking. And it's very easy just mm. to slip into that first one of just reaction stimuli laugh a funny cat video Mm. uh Mm. be sad at imploding submarines Mm. things like that (laughs) um and and just live live life but constantly reacting living life fully like that is probably not authentic because you're reacting to things that are Mm. external Mm. rather than making a conscious decision you know not to have that next chocolate bar or you know, just, just overcome that initial emotional reaction that's sparking something in your mm. brain for very good evolutionary reasons and then realising, no, I do not need to mm. eat that. Uh, so that, I think, is a way of making you, yeah, living a more rich and fulfilling existence and trying to snap yourself out of that state. There's also being just more present, I'm talking, I wanted to know how you keep saying. Yeah, so th- this is things I, I try to do, being being more present and noticing, so not thinking about the past and if that gets bad, that's something called depression mm. or thinking too much about the future and if mm. that gets really bad, that's called anxiety mm. and just trying to be in the moment. And once you ignore the past, the future as being mm. things that are absolutely fairly impossible to control, that helps keep you sane because... This is going into a bit of stoicism. Uh, Uh, But what you can control is what you're doing right now. And realising that you can control that and making them those little decisions and actions, things that Mm -hmm. you were doing and it's not someone else suggesting that you Mm. do something, then that gives your life in the moment meaning Mm. and richness. How do you get to that moment where you're living in the present? How do you get to the point where you can't, where you can stop thinking about the past, mm. 
stop thinking about the future? How how do you just live in the present? How do you do it? I'm sure you've got to go to Nepal or somewhere and meditate and, and achieving <laughs> light after yeah. 30 years. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's hard and, and meditation's a, a yeah. way to that. Mm. And Do you play around with meditation? I've done done some meditation mm. before. It's good for me, mm. uh, and this is something it's taught me, is how to catch these sort of thoughts mm. that start manifesting themselves and not ignore them or, or beat them down, but mm. just to observe them as a, a separate consciousness mm. and just let them fly by and, and the neurons do their thing mm. and then it, they shut off and, and go to something else. Mm. So not being judgmental about those thoughts, but also catching and stopping things in their tracks where you start to do these automatic habits and decisions and instead rein back control, think about whatever it is a bit more consciously and then make a decision that's truer to you. So that's how I keep try to keep sane. <laughs> what is depression? What is anxiety? Do you think they're real? Uh, absolutely. And our society is is... I think one question is whether it's more prevalent than before mm. uh, or whether it's right. people are just talking about it more. Mm. Uh, I'd say that they're definitely real. I mean, it's, it's a label and a box that we've written the DSM on and put people into then mm. diagnose and give them medication and treatment. Uh, so, yes, there, there are labels, but it's probably becoming a bit more prolific mm. with some increased awareness and transparency and people are speaking about these things more openly. And it's also a symptom, I would say, of people not being so present or letting their present selves be co-opted by other things and starting to think and worry about a meeting you've got coming up tomorrow mm. or an encounter with a boss or some stupid thing you've done in the past. Mm. And the ways around that, uh, Stoic, Stoic philosophy is very good at understanding what is and is not inside your control. And ultimately, as, as mentioned, it's what you're doing now, really, which is within your control. And uh, so for things like anxiety, worrying about the future, well, what you can control is, is some micro decisions that you can do now and mm. do things that are true to you. And mm. you'll end up encountering that when you do, but otherwise there's not mm. much... You can probably do in the now. Uh, and depression, thinking mm. about stuff from the past perhaps uh, or not getting yourself out of a rut, mm. that's that's hard. Uh, one thing is, is again, you're sitting, you're, you've been on the couch for several hours, you know you probably want to go up or socialise mm. or exercise, but things like meditation start to train your brain to identify, wait a minute, mm. I've been sitting here for three hours I'm sad, like, oh, actually mm. observe and give, raise these feelings that are bubbling into the unconscious, into the conscious mm. mind, and then can help you, okay, now what do I do to fix it? Having that voice, mm. which you said, wait a minute, these thoughts aren't right, is a superpower. Yeah. And people need to realize that that is actually a superpower. And if someone, mm. I think everyone has that in them. Every person do have that. And it's that I think I try my best to train that voice as mm. highly as I can. And it's hard. Like there's a voice in your head that would say, oh, shit, I should stop and do this. Mm. Like there'll be times that someone 
initially when I came to Australia, like someone would pass on a very nice motorbike and I know what that motorcycle is. And there was a part in me that said, uh, go ask him, what is that about? And I didn't, you know, um, and I started doing that. This is just an example, of mm. course. And you have to turn that volume up a little bit. Do you have that voice and do you listen to that? I've I've a very mm. almost untrained voice, but at least I'm aware of it. Mm. And I think things like meditation can help you train that voice, that inner voice. And yeah, I, I, I hope I do, but it's like on a scale of one to a hundred, it's probably just above a one. Mm. I've <laughs> not yeah. done it very long and, and mm. I think everyone's guilty of, of lapsing into funks or thoughts mm. or thought processes or racing thoughts mm. when they're trying to get to bed uh all, all of these things and not addressing it so I'm, I'm not infallible but at least i'm aware of it and mm. i'm working slowly towards getting there but you talk about nietzsche and you talk about stoicism that's the first question i wrote mm. for you so stoicism encourages resilience and tranquility in the face of adversity mm. How can Stoic teachings help individuals cope with stress and uncertainty in today's mm, lifestyle? Yeah, stress and uncertainty is is a great one. Mm. COVID again, a, a time of a lot uncertainty, of uncertainty. Yes, and it's bringing into the conscious mind what I, I think a very one of the tenets of Stoicism is what you can control, what you can do something about, and what you can't control. Um, on, on a side note, if um, something at work or whatever, or the council is like a mm. pothole in the street or mm. something. You know, a lot of people just sort of complain about it and they're mm. like, ah, oh, there's a pothole, it's been there. Why won't the council do anything? It's like, mm. wait a minute, you can actually do something. Mm. You can submit a works request to the local council. Mm. There was a leaking pipe that I was walking to and from on the way to the main street mm. near my house. And I'm like, wait a minute, I can mm. actually, I was like, oh, it's slippery all the time. The grass is all mushy dirtying up my boots. Mm. I'm like, wait a minute, I can submit a job to the council. And uh, one of my tenets is I, c I have license to complain about something. If I've tried to do everything I can to mm. fix it, then I can complain about it. Mm. But otherwise, um, if it's outside of my control, then really shouldn't have license or much right to complain about it if it's something that's it's very difficult to do something um, to affect. So that's... I guess a, a stoic way of looking at things. What things about an uncertain environment or even COVID, for instance, can you control? Mm. State government decisions, things like that. And it's not much. So therefore, should you be mm. having an emotional reaction? Mm. Yeah, everyone can complain about stuff. But um, yeah, it shouldn't... Don't let that change your mood and your mm. mind because you are in control. That's something you mm. can control, your own reaction to things. Mm. Uh, this is uh, an interesting principle from Viktor Frankl and uh, Man's Search for Meaning as well. And if everything in the world is taken away from you, all decisions, your environment that you live in, the food you eat, your actions that you take to an extent, even if everything has been stripped away, you can still control whether you mm. decide to be upset about that or mm. not. Uh, and that's... That's a stoic principle that's always good to, again, catch catch some thoughts out and go, wait, I'm angry or I'm disappointed at something. Is there anything I can do about it? No? Mm. Okay. just. And then suddenly emotions just evaporate mm. sometimes. It's pretty crazy. Mm. 
I, I, don't, I hate those people who just sit and just complain about random shit. Mm. That, oh, this isn't good. Oh, I hate this place. Oh, I'm sick of this mm. place. And it's, again, you, as you mentioned, and you put it in a very good perspective, license mm. to complain. If you've done everything that is in your control, mm. and then you get the license <laughs> to complain. And it's yeah. amazing because now it puts in perspective for people mm. who sit and complain. I complain a lot, but I don't say it out loud. Mm. I keep it in my head, even if... Do you think there's a difference when you say it in your head first when you say it out loud? Because you manifest it. You put mm. it, you, you mm. manifest it when you say it out loud. Um, here's the thing about saying things in, in your head, mm. because things in your head are walking, are, are going in the speed of light. Mm. Consciousness is the fastest thing mm. human beings have. One second you're at moon and one second you're back. It's just mm. conscious, you know, subconsciousness. And I say that I know that I don't like doing this, but I'm still going to do it because, you know, it's your job or it's your, it's a have-to situation mm. or a want-to situation. I don't know where I'm going with this, but yeah. It's it's as well, it's reinforcing yeah, neural pathways in your brain. If when I you, say it, I've manifested even it. more mm. so. And and uh, even thinking about it can be, mm. I think, what the point you were getting at mm. can also potentially to a degree be unhealthy because it's event happening, emotion, event, emotion, mm. event, emotion. And that becomes like a really, some really mm. solid connections in your brain. And that's and very that, hard yes. to undo. undo yes. mm. Very hard. And it creates a lot of conscious effort and probably as much mm. time as it took to form those connections yeah, as it will to unform. How do you get out of that spiral once you're in it? It's, I would say, being Meditation more Meditation and yeah. exercise. Yeah, just, mm. just being able to catch those thoughts, mm. move them between this system one, system two, unconscious, mm. conscious barrier and then acting upon mm. it and making those small decisions. And be around people who say, stop complaining. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just complaining about someone complaining. Yeah. But I think if that's that's very good. That's an awesome point. But uh, I think the intrinsic and the underlying feeling of you stopping someone mm. is actually caring. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah. You deeply mm. care about the person who's like, man, stop complaining. Which is again, I would say I don't think that's a complaint. That's <laughs> that's a it's like it's like yeah. mom saying you that don't touch that, that's hot. Mm. It's not complaining. Right. Yeah. right. Anyways, um, personal finance. Mm. That was one of the topics. Um, talk to us about that. How can uh, young people set themselves up? We Some should take note that Chris yeah. is exactly my age. So when yeah. you say young people, we're really referring to the 25-year-old in the building. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> How old are you, Chris? Can you talk? 33. 33. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm a baby. You guys are still young. I'm still a baby. Still young. Yeah, you guys are young. 33, young. I would say I would say till you're 40, you're young-ish. After 40, your life starts like that's the first half is just experiencing and just enforcing things that you've learned over your years. I don't think that should ever stop. Yeah, true. <laughs> anyway, yeah. go on. I don't like the discussion of young and old. I think in my head I'm still fucking 40 or something. Mm. I know some people that you know, died some philosophical death when they were... You know, a teenager or early adult, either through, mm. you know, some potentially some childhood trauma or whatever it may be, and uh, they they just stop wanting to lo learn, grow, improve, and yeah, that's something I'm I'm afraid of ever happening to myself. And doesn't matter what age you are, as long as you have the the right mindset, mm. the, that growth mindset about things, then yeah, you're you're living life to its fullest every day. 
So we're, we're talking about Nietzsche. I'm happy to talk about personal finance. Yeah, we'll, we'll jump on that. Since we're sure. Nietzsche, something came to mm. my head. Um, have you? How much Nietzsche have you read? Oh, bits and pieces, but it's uh, reading versus understanding, understanding are two very different two things. Very and different things I, I think I've barely scratched the surface <laughs> with some of these readings. Let's talk about this. Mm. Battle not with monsters unless ye become a monster. And if you gaze into the abyss, the abyss gazes also into you. Mm. What do you think about that? So, so the first perhaps is, is again, the dangers mm-hmm. of... So the battling with monsters, it could be internal or external monsters. And that external, the monster is the other, the extrinsic, I would posit. And if you allow that to form part of your own identity that isn't authentic and unique to yourself, then you end up becoming them. that. Mm. It's someone that really identifies with owning an iPhone or following whatever football team. And that's all they talk about. And that's all they listen to and absorb and read and spend their time occupying their mind on. But it's another thing. Uh, and that, that monster might also be the ex that you never stop talking about uh, or the boss that you don't like. And then you start to, through constantly thinking about these things and discussing them, it's, it's changing your mind. Your, your mind mm-hmm. is being shaping and forming connections to think about these things. And that is literally becoming part of you. So that's a very insightful thing. That's potentially one perspective on that. Gazing into the abyss is, I think, a very... uh, So perhaps relating back to his argument of God is dead and you are Mm. um, your own arbiter. And the abyss is realising that there is no entity mm-hmm. or other being that is dictating and controlling your life or coming to save you exactly or coming to save you or, or serving mm. you a nice platter and list of morals to live your life by mm. uh, it's completely up mm. to you and that's scary that is the abyss and that produces anxiety in a lot of people anxiety about the future knowing that options are limitless mm. and that you know this is where we start to go into uh, Jean-Paul Sartre talking mm. about uh, that that nauseous feeling, the nothingness. It's a bit of a nihilistic perspective through to uh, authors like Camus mm. who understand but acknowledge the absurdity of that life existence and that there is no grand plan and it's up to you and it's crazy, it's weird, mm-hmm. there's no um, end state and that's just insane and absurd like the myth of sisyphus and just being content with that absurdity and understanding Mm. that would would you say that you haven't looked at the abyss long enough uh i haven't Mm. i'm just long enough i'm aware of it and i think the best thing that you can do is understand yourself and live to those values and what is Mm. true to you and that informs those small decisions that you make throughout life. So that is the abyss, I believe Nietzsche is talking about. The lack of determination and plan mm. and the fact that frighteningly it, it rests on yourself and people start to freak out, mm. rightly so. So it's definitely something to freak out about. Uh, people that grow up in very structured environments and having that structure removed from them 
similarly mm. uh, often don't know how to react, be it your parents, a school, uh, whatever rules or regulations, uh, and then suddenly people being free of that, uh, it can be liberating and can be frightening. That's something I think everyone should think about themselves. You have to get to a certain point. Dan's out of this. No, no, it's interesting. <laughs> it's making me think. It's making me think about a lot, actually. Yeah, because I've been feeling anxiety for the last mm. week Let's talk and about it's spiraled. That. Let's talk about recently. that. If you don't like it, well, I'll take it out. That's fine. I can talk about it. I recently had a panic attack at work. Mm. Yeah, why, I had why to did leave you, for three days. Why did you have a panic What triggered it? I think a certain amount of anxiety about the future mm. triggered it just because we do a pretty monotonous job at work and it seems never ending and you get into a certain pattern and it just, you, you, it's just, it's hard to break away from that pattern mm. when you want to do something else. But knowing that it's helping feed you mm. and, you know, housing you, mm. it's hard to break away from, especially when you don't have much of a plan because you have a lot of other things going on. you mm on in your life as well like trying to find new rental not necessarily enjoying the people you're living with and worrying about looking after a dog worrying about okay who are we going to get for the podcast uh, or worrying about mm. your parents whatever it is it's just layer on top of layer of of worries yeah that that don't seem to that don't seem to have any sort of resolution mm. i think that's why i sort of had because a pretty full-on panic attack the other day. You're looking at things at, at atomic. Level. I know, I know, and I couldn't help it because I'm one of those. I'm just made up that way. Hmm. I start to think about the future. Possible. I think about yeah. the, what the what are all the sort of little things that can go wrong in in the hmm. future. I sort of fixate on those too often. What did you say to that, Chris? What we've been discussing. Yeah, I and know this exactly. Is why you're it's very to think about it, it. yeah. That's why, that's why every every single that. like it's so funny that you've mm. started talking about this because I'm relating so much to everything you've just said. It's mm. it's bizarre. Th these aren't my ideas. These are just I, cherry I, picks. I know, no. It's just it's mm. everything you've t talked to us about. It's just made me sort of really yeah. and start to go in this deep sort of thinking. You gave me a list of things we could talk about. It's bizarre it's happened with well, you as well. Yeah, I, th th what you're doing now, not you, but yeah. this is probably giving you a lot of meaning and enjoyment mm. and fulfillment. Yeah, exactly. So things like this are great mm. and, and you should continue to do this. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, that's a, that's a, my motivator mm. right now and it's it's bizarre. So you sort of go back into the monotony of life yeah. after this and it's very easy to fall into that, mm. that spiral and break away from... That would line you, of thinking. Would you say to our friend here to pick up a book of Stoic and start working out? Because I would say two things can save you. <clears throat> Stop eating sugar, start reading Stoicism, and start exercising. And your life's going to change in the next three months. You'll thank, come back here and thank me. Do you, believe, do you believe that? Do you think exercise and an active mind, active lifestyle style would, would help? That's something I, I value mm. is, is continuous growth mm. and improvement. Uh it's always easy to black and white and prohibit oh, and uh, things in, in life. Like I, I've reduced sugar as much as I can because mm. I've realized how horrific it is for you. Uh, it's something that was previously scarce and anyway, uh, exercising more. But I will just caveat all of these recommendations mm. with looking into philosophy. People just go, 
deep dive and they just go 100% stoicism. Mm. That's something oh, yeah. I, w- I would not recommend to anyone. Mm. Pick and choose what works for you in that situation mm. and throw the rest away. I mean, these guys uh, were you know, yeah. several thousand years old mm. uh, thinkers. Um, so that, that could be a way. Mm. I started reading um, a little bit on philosophy and existentialism because I was like, I don't want to have a midlife crisis. I'll have it now in slow time mm. while uh, reading and, and having the time to think and chat about things. And that that I found mm. is a, a good growth experience for myself and helping me self-reflect and mm. look back on myself intrinsically mm. and, and understand who I am and how to live my own life mm. and not someone else's. It's something that comes up over and over again with everyone that we've had on is living for the present and not thinking about the future, not thinking about the past. Mm. It's a very, it's a way of living that I would prefer to live. I, I, so most people would. Yeah, it's mm. very hard to get to that though. There are languages Depending on how you're made up, yeah. In the world that that have very um, loose concepts of the, mm. the past and the future and, and they, I forget which one it is, but there's, there's mm. some that they don't have the linguistic structures mm. to actually discuss these things mm. and they're very happy and in touch with mm. the moment mm. uh, but yeah something to think about how do you make plans if you're not thinking about the future though let me t- let me yeah. talk to this <laughs> whatever whatever is yeah. is not just a short-term emotional reaction to something mm. and that is if you want to make a proper plan something mm. that's deeply true to you and your values mm. Mm. go on i yeah. think mm. you we're having a panic attack, a.k.a. anxiety. Mm-hmm. To me, anxiety is like fire alarms at your house. Well, panic attack is Hold adrenaline. On. Hold on. and <clears throat> Yeah, go on. Yeah. And I think every time the sensors sense fire, mm. they start going off. Mm. And what you want to do in that situation is that they don't care what it is, mm. basically. Mm. They, they don't care if that's, you know, it's just your candle or incense mm. or actual fucking fire. Mm. So <clears throat> here's why I focus so much and push you on exercises because when your body and your mind is under stress, mm. it learns resilience. Mm. You mm. teach your mind. You know how hard it is to lay on a flat bench and push 100 kilos just with your hands? It's called a bench press. You're you're going to feel that. And <laughs> I'm making this very dramatic. Absolutely. I'm saying mm. you're going to teach your body resilience. Mm. You're, you're forced into the moment you're as well. You're forced into the moment. The second mm. you step on a treadmill and you walk mm. five mm. minutes and we're like, fuck, I want to get off. Mm. And you do that five and a half or six minutes is where your life's going to change. Mm. It, it builds not just resilience, but anti-fragility, the oh, concept yes. of mm. actually improving the your system as a whole and mm. making it, as you say, resilient to future stresses that it hasn't encountered as well. How quickly does it become a habit? Like how, how easy is it to e- well, how easy is it mm. to get into habit doing that? There's a good book called Atomic Habits mm. on that and it takes time because you're, you're re- rewiring yeah, stuff exactly. in your brain. Yeah, exactly. You're trying to rewrite. Uh, yeah. So sometimes you need those things to, to kick you along in the process. Mm. But the way to form a healthy habit, I would mm. posit, is linking a thing you do to something positive, giving it some sort of positive reinforcement. Mm. So exercise, I hate exercise, but I drag myself out for a run. 
Mm. A, it, it forces you in the moment. Uh, it gives you instantaneous feedback mm. if you're not doing it well. But I don't run because I like the running process. I run for mm. the happy endorphins or whatever that get the happy chemicals afterwards mm. and the fact that I know in the long term it's making me a healthy, fitter person and I'm mm. live longer, whatever it may be. Mm. Uh, that's the reason I do it. People, if you have a myopic view of it and I don't want to go to the gym because it's a difficult to get there and it's cold outside it's cold and i'm gonna get all sweaty it's gross uh making excuses and exercise itself is not fun mm. then you'll never do it because you're linking the idea of exercise to bad things in your mm. brain what your brain perceives as negative so th- who am i as a person i want to continually grow and improve and exercise is a way to do that so link it to something that's in- intrinsically valuable to yourself mm. and that is motivating you to mm. go and exercise. And you're not doing it for vain or vapid reasons. Mm. Uh, you're not doing it in comparison to someone else. That's that's an externality. Mm. You're doing it because you know it's good for you. Mm. And you're not also mm. doing it because you want to live longer or have a happy mm. life. Everyone's going to die, but you won't die horribly. That's the difference. Mm. Um man fuck this is interesting chris i'm I'm having a great time having you here man thank you thank you for uh <laughs> listening to me ramble no 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 i think uh it's hard and, and not answer your question fascinating yeah. it's hard for me to find people who read about stoicism in this day and age everyone's on tiktok and instagram which i am too it's become popular mm. it is becoming popular mm. you're right there are some uh good fellas out there who are pushing the idea of stoicism or philosophy mm. Um, you we we you know how much we deviated from personal. Yeah, okay, so we can <laughs> talk about it. Uh, again, yeah, we're we're in the society we're in, and the incentive I think generally is for people to get into debt. That's that's how mm-hmm. the economy sort of runs, and if you just sort of go with the flow and without realizing it, the the system will take you down that path mm-hmm. into uh, being in a perpetual cycle of. Uh, owing someone else money mm. so stepping off that debt train as early as you can and mm. uh is if it's achievable i i'd recommend you know trying to do what you can there's there's obviously the books like barefoot investor and things like that uh i've read but there was um one experience i had let's just say it was around covid where i didn't have much else on so and i'm like i know nothing about economics so i just decided to read and learn and educate part of that whole financial system is the same with law and medicine mm. there's a lot of jargon a lot of complex words explaining either very simple principles or just trying to explain um, something fanciful mm. and first trying to understand what those words and terms meant and then apply that to both myself and how i can view and understand how the world works uh, a good website for that is the uh, Money Smart Australian Government, I think it's ASIC Money Smart website is really good for detailing that jargon and mm. putting it into plain English, uh, and just reading. Uh, there was originally yeah the, that Barefoot book. There's also a really uh, good collection of blogs and books and finance. There's a doco about it now t- too uh, around the financial independence mm. movement. Fire retiring early. And that is great to understand people's personal journeys and that can help you apply it to your specific situation. What have you so. done that you think that, you know, um, 
up to the level of personal finance mm. personally that you think that is worth sharing that with other people? Uh, early on, it was was getting rid of the credit cards and, and getting off that train. I, I could see myself projecting into, into the future, yeah, uh, yeah. being being like go, going down that. I, I was I've been very fortunate to um, not have lifestyle inflation and mm. lock some money away and mm. invest it in the long term and uh, sacrificing some short term benefits and gains for, mm. for future me and having that goal in mind of not working for money, mm. working because I enjoy working or not living or doing anything for that monetary incentive or reason, which I think is uh, a huge incentive mm. as you know, your job you were talking about, mm. for instance, for a lot of people to do what they do. Mm. I don't want that to be something that controls my behaviour, my destiny, my future. And it is actually something I can control. Mm. So let's control it. Let's not have someone else do it for me. Mm. Uh, so that's, I guess, the motivator for it. Uh, and the, the journey was getting off that debt train early on was number one. Mm. I think that's a, a key recommendation. And then the second one was, okay, I've got money mm. sitting in a bank account, but doing what? Mm. Understanding things like inflation is slowly chipping that away mm. over time. Uh, and interest rates, whether it's below or above inflation, mm. what is actually happening to that money? What really clicked for me is realising having your money in a bank is actually investing it in mm. something. You're investing in the Australian dollar in cash. Mm. Uh, you Don't be like, oh, I'm not investing in stocks or stuff. You're investing in a thing. And depending on your life stage, I'd posit, oh, by the way, Caveat, not financial advisor, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> Don't listen to this. It's generic in nature. Um, I understood that my time in life being young yeah. was, for most people, not suitable to have, have it in something like cash or bonds, mm. which I had it in bank bonds and cash. And instead, because I was young and could weather out dips and falls and, and peaks and recessions, mm. I could invested in something a bit more aggressive mm. like stocks and bonds uh, sorry, corrections yeah stocks and indices uh like um vanguard yeah things like that uh so eventually so originally i spoke to some financial advisors and oh you know give the money to us and we'll mm. try and predict the future yeah, and uh it'll only cost you five thousand dollars a year mm. and i was like wait a minute no one can predict the future uh so got me down the path of the ASIC website and, and looking into things like active and passive investing. So that's that's an active way, mm. someone trying to um, do magic, um, be it through a supercomputer or just throwing a dart at a board, uh, which is yeah impossible. Uh, some, some are more successful than others versus a passive fund like an index tracking fund, like top 200 companies in the ASX or mm. top 500 companies in the US. So yes, there are there are funds like that where you can track an index, and over time, as I said I'm not trying to predict the future as well, but over time they have shown to grow at a certain rate, so seven percent or so mm. per year. So that I saw as a better vehicle for my age and life stage for me to start putting money in that. Uh, yeah, so that's yeah, and as I get older, you'd move it into things that don't skyrocket or crash such as cash and bonds, you know, on the verge of retirement. You don't want another recession to hit and mm. suddenly you've got a third of your funds wiped out. So as as you get older in life, you move it into different asset classes. Mm. 
uh, depending on your risk tolerance, which should be lower. Mm. So that's again, the that's sort of very gen- generic. Yeah. We can read it off a book. <laughs> but that's I'll, a summary. Yes, um, mm. I've noticed something about you, man. You're aware of a lot of things, but why? Uh, I think you said you're 33, right? Mm. I hang around with well, 30 year olds ish, and they aren't aware of most things. I told you he was smart. Well, it's it's so. not about being well, <laughs> no, it's, it's not about being smart. It's about being aware and yeah, being actually yeah. voluntarily participating in stuff like mm-hmm. that, or you know, picking up those things. Why? What? What makes you do that? It's it's a, a value I, I think mm. is intrinsic, and I find authentic to myself. Is that motivator to grow and improve? So, if I don't know about economics, I'm going to learn about economics. Mm. If I'm afraid of public speaking, I'm I'm going to fling myself and, mm. and start doing debating in high school and public speaking. Mm. Uh, I think you thrive on knowledge. I think that's always been... I'm very bad at remembering facts. Mm. I'm a very conceptual thinker. Um, I often forget the names of authors and book titles, mm. but I remember what they spoke yeah. about. Yeah. Uh, so not knowledge from a fact perspective perhaps, mm. but just collecting different lenses through which to interpret the world mm. uh, is, is what it is. And that's in terms of understanding the world, gives a more holistic perspective. That is yeah. the whole reason I started this podcast. Mm. I'm all about stealing perspective. And it's yeah. a negative word, stealing, but I'm all about stealing Absolutely. perspective. And that's that's what's unique about humans and the human race is that people people's lenses and ways they perceive are unique and different. And particularly if someone owns their own lens and doesn't have it formed through mm. some other external force, is very company, authentic. whatever, mm. exactly, then... You tend to find mm. some more interesting people. And as oh. human beings, mm. you can pick that up as well. Like sometimes you can see, like, I know that this person's mm. watching videos on Instagram, or sometimes I do do that with yeah, myself as fine. well. Mm. I'd self-critique is like, bro, I'm watching too many videos. I'm yeah. talking about stoicism, but that's all off of videos. Mm. I haven't read actually mm. anything. I yeah. do that to myself too. And that's very important. And there's actioning the things you learn yes. as well and incorporating that. Absolutely. Mm. Since talking about lenses, photography, yeah, man, sure. that's my domain. <laughs> that's that's where I live. Um, <clears throat> do you play around? Do you, you know? Yeah, it's a great way of capturing the of the present moment, isn't it? And um, that's why I like impressionist artwork as well. It's like yeah. photography before photography days. Yeah, uh, not very good at it. Hmm. I don't think I'd, I'd take amazing photos, but I enjoy the process. Uh, it's it's a way of I, th- I think taking the present moment with you and helping you bridge that temporal time gap and, and being able to mm. revisit that and recreate a fleeting moment or mm. capture a fleeting moment, um, which is interesting. So that can also perhaps come a, become a bit unhealthy. People that mm. are constantly taking photos and recording themselves, uh, you know, their food and their meals and mm. their social situations, oh, I'll enjoy this down the track mm. or I'll post it. You'll and, never enjoy it. You just post, and not yeah. not being in the moment. So that that can be a dangerous yeah. thing with photography. I found myself get into on a, on a recent trip. I was staring through the lens the whole time mm. and not enjoying the the waterfall or whatever it is I was looking at. So that's um, that's just something I've I've started to keep in the back of my mind. Mm. Uh, just got a mid range SLR camera. What is that? Uh, it is a Nikon D five three hundred. 5300. I have yeah. the same. I started with that camera. Good it job. Was, it was good. Yeah. It got a um, 
200 mil lens with a 55. 70 to 200? Yeah, I believe so. Oh, or, no, no, 18. 50, well, 55 to 200. 55 yeah. to 200, yeah. yeah. That's 4.3. It's mm. good. I've taken it through oh, very beautiful. hot, very cold places. Uh, mm. It's It's been, yeah, it's well-traveled mm. camera. Uh, some of the more interesting photos I've done is some astrophotography playing around with that, particularly in the Northern Territory, mm. where you have a brilliant night sky, which is very difficult to see on most of the planet. I'd mm. say entire European continent, most yeah. of Asia, you just wouldn't see anything like no. it. I'll show you uh, one picture as well. Yeah, absolutely. Please do. Uh, doing some long, long exposures mm. was pretty cool and checking out the star trails uh, and, oh, yeah, brilliant. That's Tasmania. Is that, a mo- is that multiple exposures? How did you get no. the light without uh, it washing out? <coughs> Um, because the light of the lighthouse was actually is oh, you know, it yeah. keeps going off right, and you and I started when I was taking so it was like a, barely like a ten or twelve second okay. exposure of mine. So and then you of course bump mm. up the brightness and you're t- trying to turn it down. But I I I'm glad that you picked that up because I could have just blown it out. Which it yeah. did end up happening, but again, like this was Cape Shank the other day. Oh, wow. Uh, and we just got lucky having some beams the other day. Um, so, yeah. Astrophotography. Man, it's hard for me to find spots when mm. there's aurora. Yeah. Have you traveled around places where have you've seen it with naked eyes? Because I've seen it with my camera. I can't yeah, see it wow. with my naked okay. eyes. Yes, I have. Yeah, to uh, Lapland in northern Finland and also recently just over the mm. year break uh, at the north of Norway as mm. well. How was it? Absolutely spectacular. That's you know, gazing into the mm. abyss as well. Just an interesting thought that crossed my mind. Mm. Uh, space and photography and, and big mm. open spaces mm helps put you in perspective in the moment and mm. it makes you feel very small and insignificant. Yeah. And I find that when I'm, value to yeah, life. I find yeah. that when I'm got a hammock at home, mm. which I sit in yeah. during the summer, mm-hmm. I just sort of look up at the sky and just think, yeah. yeah, how insignificant are you compared to what's up there and Absolutely. beyond? I, I think yeah, about mm, that. I think about that every now and again. That's, that's a good thought to and have. Then, and then sort of think, oh, well, all your stresses really don't matter because at the end of the day, you're only just a blip on the on the radar. You've been reading Sartre. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't get too nihilistic about it. Yeah, uh, well. Take ownership of it, absolutely. <laughs> but, yeah, that, these are great thoughts yeah. everyone should have and it gives a lot more value mm. to your life because you realise how fleeting and yeah. temporally and, you know, spatially mm. uh, insignificant you are. And I had an interest in space as a child and I think that, Mm. That is the same sort of um, has led me down the, this path in life as well. Mm. So, yeah, the the aurora and seeing that was um, I can't describe it. You, you'd have to visit. Uh, it's I had the yeah, same experience. Sunny. It was when humbling. I saw, and there's a mm. contrast to it. Seeing the auroras up in the sky, which is massive, I had the same experience as seeing something that's at microbial level, which is yeah. Uh, bioluminescence mm. algae. Have you experienced that? No, I'd love to. Yeah, Ooh, that gotta would be... go to Tasmania, man. Yeah, yeah. And 
it's funny that how that works is that algae would just sit still mm. in dark place. You have to agitate the algae yeah, for yeah. it to spark up. I've seen photos and videos of people walking yes. on beaches. And, it's, yeah. it's completely safe. It, it's not harmful to human beings. You can just, you know, wave your mm. hand and just move it. So what happens is, so let's say it, it, the algae is in a bucket and you drop a water, drop, a water droplet in there. So it, the, the algae mm. would spark up in waves. That's cool. And your eyes can pick that, that it's actually, they're just going in waves. And it's just, oh man, it's hard to explain how that works. So I could imagine how you must have felt with Aurora. How many, how many uh, other places have you, so you saw, mm. where'd you saw it? Uh, so I've seen it uh, in uh, North uh, Norway, the North of Norway and the North of Finland. So that, that sort of belt. Uh, I will caveat, if people ever do want to see it, obviously they're, they're on all year, but because of the, um, it's really bright and light daylight mm. for most of the day during summer. That's not a great time to see it. So try going obviously during winter or colder mm. months. Um, but you often mm. get cloud cover. So don't just go and think, yeah. oh, I'm going to see it tonight because they're going on, but there's a cloud ahead, uh, overhead. So the four days I was there, I saw it um, two of those nights just through sheer luck. And then the other trip was of a seven-night uh, cruise in Norway, saw it on the the. I think the first and a bit on the second night, but that was that was it as well. Uh, with photography, a hot tip I learned, you see a lot of aurora photos, the stars are pretty blurry and you have probably would have found as well. Star trail. You don't swing your focus all the way to infinity. It's oh, actually yeah. a smidgen beneath. Mm. And the best way to get some good focus is to uh, go full optical, then digital zoom, just find a random star and zoom all the way into a star and fine-tune it to a, like a pinprick as much and as you can. back a little bit. And then, then wind your optical zoom back, and that's the focus level, and you'll find it's just a smidge under the infinite uh, focus. So that's, that's a hot tip that yeah. uh, I learned. And I was doing as low as you can go with the ISO because, yeah, it gets rid of that graininess. And no, no, don't do that. No? Um, no. Um, not, not, I get it. not all the way down, but... I get mm. it that you're playing with the SLR. Yeah. Um, I would keep it till um, I'm going to say 400 ISO. Oh, yeah. Because what that's going to do is that's going to give you two extra stops mm. and then that's going to bring your 30 or 40 second exposure yeah. to 20 second exposure. Ah, yeah. And then what you're going to see is you're going to see less star trail. Yes. Because Earth's moving. Yeah, yeah, of course. And, and mm. if a star is pinpoint sharp in 40 seconds, it, it's it going to move. Yeah, yeah. Tiny so that's bit, and good that's another mm. thing that you would see that they're blurry as well. Yeah. So bump up the ISO a little bit. Don't be afraid to bump up the ISO. Yeah. If it's grainy, you can fix it, right? And get that two extra stops. Bring that yeah. a little bit of the um, what do you call um, uh, shutter speed up. Mm. So twenty second exposure, and then we're gonna have a good. That's that's good. Yeah, I, I have noticed in the photos I've taken there is that little star that trail. little star trail. Uh, and you're right from a distance, it is blurry. So that's that's great to know. I think I was shooting probably in those those hundreds ranges for yeah. that. Uh, but bumping it up higher would have been good. It's it's what's great about photography is you're balancing all of these things. things. It's like cooking a nice dish of food and adding a bit of you know lemon juice in or something. Yeah, it's mm. it's getting the the balance right. nice and, and mm. schmick. And and with most cameras you can get to an 80, 90% solution fairly quickly or, mm. or an automatic mode, but it's that extra 10 20 percent which really uh, makes it special and obviously the composition and 
the aesthetics of it, which is something I'm horrific at trying to wrap my mm. head around. I understand vaguely the rule of thirds mm. and you know, golden ratio and things, but uh, it's, yeah, it's um, things like that and making the, the picture seem alive mm. as well and, and active and moving. While you were yeah. talking about yeah. this, I was thinking, well, I said, <laughs> you and I, we shoot digital, right? Mm. Ansel Adams, one of the greatest landscape photographers yeah. in the world. Imagine him going up to the hills, taking a picture of a waterfall, packing that film up in his suitcase and walking up to a lab. Imagine that anticipation he yeah, would have, yeah. right? Can you imagine that? It's part of the part, excitement, mm, absolutely. Like the adrenal rush he would have. You and I, we know we are mm, memory yeah. cards. It's fucking safe. I don't care. It's mm. like this is a waterproof camera. It's a tank. Yeah. It won't mm. go anywhere. But I'm just thinking mm. of like the anticipation that man would have walking down and hiking down from the hills and going up to a lab or going up to his home and just printing them, those off. And I related to that when I got my first ana fully analog camera, yeah. Olympus OM-1. That's a 1975 mm -hmm. camera, fully analog. And man, I've had my, my fun with it. I'll show you some pictures after this. And Great. It's just yeah. beautiful. Nothing. I don't care if this is $10,000 camera or whatever mm. it is. Nothing compares, comes closer to the the aesthetics of those pictures. Absolutely. That's why I love analog watches as well. I love, yeah, yeah 100%. <laughs> I'm wearing a G-Shock. That's very anti of me, but I love those watches. Well. Mm. I have a bunch of you. But. It, it is. There's something special about that process being more involved in the Mechanics. creation as a human mm, yes. uh, and through non-digital means that people are starting mm. to appreciate again and you know that the hipster scene around here mm. uh, there's a reason that people are going back to mm. the analog, uh, analog rather yes. than digital i would love to have an That's old mustang like you know with the stick shit oh anyways before yeah. we wrap this up we're talking about technology and you know having going back but now it's going to be very hard for us to go back with ai coming in mm. have you played around with ai yet yeah chat gpt yeah yeah what are your thoughts it's interesting i hope it just be used as a, a tool mm. it's another tool i see uh everyone's fear about it running away and achieving self-awareness is mm. valid to a degree it won't it's obviously it's not so happened now leaving a world where that is becoming a possibility it, it's something that needs to be raised and thought yeah. about and then we can put structures in place yeah. to to control things uh there's there's a lot of mm. research and thought uh, around ai and existential risk and avoiding some sort of wiping out of humanity in the future be it 100 200 years down the path and the small decisions that we make now uh would influence that so mm. trying not to put it down the path mm. of, of nefarious purposes or having single entities controlling it, mm. I, I believe would be very dangerous. So not having a, a monopolization, mm. absolutely. And a disaggregated approach, like the internet, mm. for instance, uh, has now moved into a few single entities. Uh, oh, yeah, several, but it's definitely not as disaggregated as it was previously. So that that's, I believe, is one way to control the, the path of mm. AI and not having everything living on one server farm in a single country or codes that are, um, you know, written and aren't perhaps mm. open source that people aren't able to scrutinise and uh, yeah, figure out what's going on. But that that's a solution. Whether it works, I don't know whether that's what's happening. 
Mm. Uh, time it, and tell. It is, it is something that could be dangerous. Absolutely. 100%. Because mm. I believe that what they have uh, at the moment and what they have released out is is going to be the difference in that they have much more control. What we have is just a joke. It's just oh, absolutely. playing tool. Yeah. <laughs> and what I think, what I deeply think what they're doing is they've given out like a demo version and they see how humans mm. play with it. Yeah. And then the learning of that chat GPT-4 or 5 mm. is going to be just substantially massive. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. But man, look, I don't have any other questions. It's, I've been a fucking hell of a ride, man. This Dan, has been strange. This, this yeah, has been a strange experience. Um, for no, you. no, no, for, yeah. for, for me, I think, because yeah. it's weird. Like, just giving you a midlife existential crisis no, halfway through the podcast. That. You did <laughs> that, but like, it's strange that we're yeah. sort of doing this, mm. you know, like, it, I don't think it would have been even like a foreseeable thing that we would have been thinking about back in the day. I didn't know that you guys knew each other. That's why I was Fucker keeping the secret. Like, I got something interesting <laughs> to bring to this podcast. Yeah. So, cool. Yeah. Um, actually, this might be interesting. Mm. You, you listen to the podcast, right? Yeah. What do you think? It's great. It's, yeah. it's, <laughs> come on. It's excellent. You, the, the, the questions spot. you yeah, ask. Of course. Yeah. Other people are, are tapping into mm. something deep and unique. And as you say, it's, it's Allowing listeners to collect those lenses mm. and ways of interpreting the world through the framework of someone else's experience, mm. and and that's a great way to learn and improve yourself, mm. or have epiphanies and realizations about your life that otherwise you wouldn't have gotten, and it's a way of traveling without having to, I guess. Mm. I love how politically correct you are sometimes, Will. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's horrific. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's great. I love I love people who just are just, you know, hammered down. I'm, I, I'm that kind of that person. I, mm. can't, I can never be in restrictions and borders and say things. I'm, I'm, please, all respect, I'm not, you know, discouraging what you just said, but I was, like, I, I was expecting you to drop a hammer on us. There, I'm sure there are people you've interviewed or things have mm. bombed. But that's okay too. That is mm. more representative of reality and other people. Well, that helps you learn as 100%. well. Hundred percent. There's only one podcast of bombed it. <clears throat> Just one. But that's okay, and mm. that's very human. And I keep it up and mm. not delete it because that's showing yeah. that you're not infallible, right? Mm. Yeah. There was this uh, mm. educator we had on. He's an engineer actually, and he goes around Melbourne City and makes videos of you know something's interesting about engineering, and. I just couldn't, just didn't have anything to talk to him mm. about because, you know, I wasn't well-versed on the topic. Yeah. And I can't just be like, oh, tell me another story. Tell me another story. Yeah, you can't yeah. do that on a mm. podcast, can you? So, yeah. That podcast, I thought, fuck, I need my research. On. But, man, he was a legend giving us time. And so are you, sir. Um, thank you so much for being here, Dan. Thank you very much. Thanks for coming back down to Melbourne. Thank you. Excellent. Oh, oh, <laughs> can, I, can I just have a... a Please. So in summary, it seems as though we've discussed about people mm. staring into their own abyss. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And Stoicism. understanding what's mm. authentic and true to themselves. Mm. And I'd encourage listeners to perhaps do the same, have that difficult mm. conversation with yourself. And once you understand that, see what you can do in your life to seek mm. discomfort, get out of your comfort zone, but in pursuit of what is true to yourself. That's a, and that way you will grow into something that is that mm. is true to you. And and don't let others dictate that path for you mm. because it's so easy to be do. Be it anybody, especially parents. 
You do you. you. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's like YOLO. <laughs> like you live only once, you do you. Mm. But I'm just saying because sometimes, you know, yeah. being having good people around you and having a mentor or leaders around you is very important for young kids. Absolutely. Because mm. they have someone to look up to. Sometimes parents would say things to you that are good for you in their opinion and mm. they might never be. Mm. So, well, as you said, you do you, man. <laughs> it's a better place to end. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Cool. All right, let's wrap Thank this up, you. guys. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Bye. Peace.